Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. We thank you today that you are with us and you never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we just want to give you all the glory. It's all about one name in this place, and it's the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Holy Spirit, would you just breathe upon these uh, ordinary words of mine and make something extraordinary happen in hearts today, I pray, Father. If you're ready to receive, shout out, Amen. Amen, amen. amen. As you take your seats, we also, we can still keep praying prayer. You don't have to close your eyes. But we also uh, pray for Luke Winter, who, one of the uh, young guys who is preaching at Chidlow Community Church today. So Lord, we just pray that he would have a fresh word in season for Chidlow to bless them. And that you would just, uh, he'd really sense your presence there this morning. We pray for Luke. Amen. Amen. Wonderful to be with you. My name's Brad. If I haven't met you, one of the pastors here. And it's a joy to be here this wintry morning. But who uh, smelt the food on the way through and thought, gee, I hope Brad doesn't do a long sermon this morning. (laughs) Uh, Before I get into it, I just would, uh, as a church, want to pass on our sympathy and condolences to Nora uh, Jackson and the Jackson family on the passing of Doug. Um, and just to, if you get our weekly uh, email newsletter, you would have read that um, Doug's funeral uh, to celebrate Doug's life will be 9.30am on Wednesday at Maylands Christian Funerals. Um, so yeah, let's just pray for the Jackson family. Father, we just pray for them, for that your comforting presence around Nora and the whole family, Lord. Lord, we thank you for Doug's life. And Father, we just pray as they celebrate that and get together on Wednesday, that your comforting presence, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, would be all over that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've been in a series all about belonging, created for community. Um, And if you're uh, sick of hearing about that, it's going to (laughs) continue for another couple of weeks anyway. Uh, And looking forward to the kids' church takeover, but another couple of weeks and then... uh, We're looking forward to what God's going to bring to us as we enter into the second half of this year too, which you'll hear more about soon. So Belong, created for community and uh, had Pentecost Sunday last week. It was a great Sunday last week. I really felt God's presence uh, in a a special way. He's always here. He's always with you. Don't have to try. But as we gather, we should be expectant that God wants to do something special in our hearts and lives. Hey, I remember when... um, as you know, when I preach, you get a few cricket stories. And I remember when I was uh, playing uh, cricket years ago out in the country. Now, you've got to understand, if you're not from the country, country sport is very different from city sport. And what I mean by that is when you get to a game of cricket in the country, there's a fair chance that old Joe's still hung over and old, old Ned didn't actually make it, and you don't have a full side. Very, but in the country, that doesn't mean you forfeit a game. That simply means some of the team, uh, your team, has to play for the other team. You know, like in junior footy, you gotta, I used to hate that draw, the short straw. I've got to put on the opposition jumper just to make up their stupid numbers and play for them and tackle my own team. Well, anyway, this happened to me that day with cricket. I drew the short straw, and so I had to play for the other team. And so I go out. I remember heading out to bat. Uh, someone got out, and I'm, I'm going out to bat. And the custom in cricket is when you go to the crease, the batter who's already in just just gives you a few details of what's going on. You know, like he'll say, uh, just, just as you're coming out, he'll say, look... 
he's got some in-swing happening here or you know, you know the, the, the pitch is playing slow or he'll just give you some advice and you look forward to that because it gives you a bit of an advantage as a batter just to know what's going on the bowler fast the bowler slow what's going on and I get out there and this guy's batting with me and he's a bit of a character had a bit of reputation of being a bit of a bit of a character and a lad and I get out there and I'm waiting to hear what he's going to say and I get there and he goes and he goes Brad what's your song and I'm like what he said what's your song bro and I said my song what song and he goes you know the song you play in your head as you walk out to the crease mine's thunderstruck <laughs> I'm like yeah and he goes and then I've got other songs for for as we as, as I go in my innings said, what's your song and I'm like I don't have a song it was really bizarre. It sort of made me laugh. But, you know, as you're going on into an innings, I love this thought. It made me laugh. But I thought, this guy, I wonder what's going through his head now as he's batting away. And he just started smashing them. I'm thinking, he's got some songs going on. He's hitting fours. And as you start, but I want to tell you that when you go on a journey, you need a song to, 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 that your heart needs to beat to. And our scripture this morning is all about that. In Psalm, if you're going there, 133, called the Song of Ascent. One of the songs of ascent. So in the Psalms, we're going to look at this Psalm because this is a song that people, the Jewish people would sing on the way to Jewish festivals as they would pilgrimage, as they would journey. They had a song for their innings to get there. They had a song in their heart and these songs of ascent are a part of uh, the Psalms and there's about four of these songs of ascent that are attributed to David writing them. And so David writing this psalm of ascent. And the idea is that, yes, they're ascending geographically up to Jerusalem for these festivals, but it's also the ascending up towards spiritual moment with God. Uh, that These songs that they would sing. And I just love that thought that we need a song because I believe that the song that we need to sing as a church is the, on the journey that we're embarking on, going closer to God, going closer to our God-given destiny. The song we need to sing and always sing is the song of Psalm 133. Are you ready? This is a great... Now this song, listen, this song only has three verses. It's a short psalm. It is easy to sing and hard to live. You're going to see that in a minute. You know, some songs are really easy to sing, but you need God's power to live them. Let's get into Psalm 133 says this, Behold, I'm reading from the New King James Version, because I like the way it says, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, brethren, dwell together in unity. I love that. That's awesome. I love hearing babies. The sound of life in the room. Amen when I preach. So please don't feel feel bad about it. That's good. I love it. Um, It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, catch this, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of unity, about the anointing and blessing of Unity, And this is a principle, uh, even if you're not a Christian here this morning, if you don't follow Jesus, some of these principles will just work in your life. But this is a biblical principle, a Bible principle that God gives us about the power, the anointing and blessing of when a people group are in unity. Unity. Such an important thing, song to sing before you go on a journey. David would have been looking out at all these people 
from diverse backgrounds, from different cultures and different experiences, all journeying together. And as they're on this pilgrimage, you could imagine him looking over all these people and he looks at them and he sees something that makes him happy. And he's like, how good. And how pleasant it is. Look at the joy in them. Look at the, the, when they dwell together in harmony. Something touched him to write this to say how good and pleasant it is. And we're seeing the blessing of God. You know, unity is not common. It's hard to come by. And unity just doesn't show up without intentionality. You never see an AFL footy team uh, win a grand final and the, the cameraman or the, uh, the interviewer goes to one of the players and says, how, how do you feel? How did this happen? And he goes, I don't know. We just sort of won. It just sort of happened. No, that there's some, they, had a, they had a common mission. They had a common goal. They were together. They were training. They worked through some hard stuff together. Unity doesn't just happen. It's an intentional thing that is worked on. If you're married, you know what I mean. It's not just... Did someone say eagles? Eagles need to hear this. Send them the podcast. <laughs> you know, it really is an important thing. And I remember, I liken it to a day that I'll never forget, not long after we started having children. And I'll never forget this day, it's sort of a bit of a scar, and I want to share it with you mainly because this is cheaper than going to therapy. <laughs> but uh, I was in the Townsville car park many years ago, at the shopping center. And um, I don't know, this day, I figured something out. I don't know what it is about babies, but I think I've figured out why babies, when they're born and when they come out, are so flexible. I'm pretty sure the reason they are so flexible <laughs> is because when they fight not to get put in a car seat, you almost have to dislocate their shoulders just to form their arms back to get them in this seat. And I tell you, when you're on your own, as a dad, not really good at this, it is the most embarrassing thing in the middle of a car park, yelling and screaming, this baby will not put its arms back. And it's like, it's like they've been in the womb doing Taekwondo for nine months, coming out, and you're like trying to, and every move you do, they've got another move and another move. It's so annoying. But you know what annoys me even more than just the, the trying to get the baby in, and I'm sweating, and I'm saying other words and I'm like, well, you know what annoys me even more is when you try and communicate to the baby the logic of safety and seatbelts to prevent cra in the crash, they don't even care. They don't even listen. If there's no parenting books written on this. I've never been to a seminar where they've addressed the baby seat thing. But I'm telling you, it is a shame. It's a crying shame. And if you're a dad and know what I'm talking about, I appreciate a bit more love and amens. Like, yeah, it's hard. You know, this baby seemed more concerned with their personal temporary comfort than the internal ramifications of what could take place if we crashed. And sometimes with church, the subject of unity is like putting a seatbelt on. It's a preventative before things happen. Being in unity is something that needs to be talked about and, and, and um, understood and, and lived out before we crash. It's the seatbelt because who knows that people dwelling together have crashes. And the thing that will protect you like a seatbelt for the journey ahead is this thing called unity. It can protect a church. It can protect a marriage. It can protect a business when the road gets tough, when the ride gets turbulent, unity is protective. It really can. I know for me and Sky, when we got married, one of the things that, that we really made a commitment to each other to uh, in, in life, in, in our marriage, 
was that principle in Ephesians which says, never let the sun go down on an argument. And what we did, we just made a, we made a promise to one another, hey, let's never let our head hit to the pillow and be this close together but miles apart in our heart. Let's make a commitment to, to resolve things and, 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 to go, and not to go to bed angry. Let's, let's to forgive each other before the sun goes down because then we, we stay in unity. It's a powerful thing. We stay connected. And, and there's been some long nights that Sky takes hours to apologize sometimes. And I, I get up and if you, if you see me Sunday morning tired and stressed out, it's because I probably had to wait for her to apologize. And I appreciate your prayers on that and especially for after the service. No, no, not really. It's, you, it's always me. But it's something that keeps you together. And as church, it's the same thing. It's the same principle for a church. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Does that mean everything has to be resolved? No, but there sometimes can be a sleeping night where we just agree to disagree. And I could agree with her, but there's no point. It's both been wrong. So, you know, you just disagree. This principle, I'm just messing with you. But I always get permission for things I share from the front if anyone asks. The last church I was at, I had a very concerned member come and say, what are you doing up there? Did, you, did she even know what you're going to say? I said, I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but anyway, that Paul, Paul was passionate about this stuff too. It's in Ephesians 4.3, he said this. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice it says, make every effort. So there's every effort, and once you've made every effort, it, that, that you've done your part. You, you can't control somebody else's disunity towards you but you can make every effort and it says to keep i like to, to think of it as upkeep it's like a garden it will get thought it will get weeds and it will get everything growing in it to try and choke out the good garden you've got to you've got to upkeep it unity it says to maintain it is to upkeep this to to, to to be proactive and intentional in this and last week as we celebrated pentecost the spirit of god in his church that's the power we have this is not a man-made thing unity and that's what i'm saying you're going to catch this morning it's a supernatural thing when god's a part of it um and, and as the spirit was poured out he was poured out on people in one accord all together in one place with one heart and, and then he unified more people three thousand people got saved that day because the holy spirit never breeds division if something's going on and it's dividing people, it's not the Spirit of God. He is a uniting Spirit, bringing people together, a Spirit of reconciliation, a Spirit that, that wants to reconcile people to God and to each other through the bond of peace. Isn't that the truth? Peace with God. When you have true peace with God, you then get the peace of God and that compels us to have peace with our fellow man, fellow humanity that we want to see peace and it's a, it is a beautiful beautiful thing to make every effort what does that mean it could mean forgiving one another it could mean bearing with people all the all the one another's in the bible and in a world of division god is looking for a church of unity that he can just smile and see the blessings of god a church that has oneness of purpose you know unity what is it i'm not going to do a whole sermon on this because i just want to go back to the three verses as we close soon but unity is not sameness it's not sameness and that's with our international lunch today it's not really about the food it's about the community having a common unity it's not sameness unity is oneness and the next slide uh, john 17 in that 
great high priestly prayer of Jesus when he prayed. You know, Jesus has a prayer request. You know, when you, anyone got any prayer requests? If we were to say that today and go around, what's your prayer request? Jesus would put up his hand and say, I've got a prayer request. In fact, I prayed it about five times in my last prayer uh, in John 17. And my prayer is that you would be one. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for all those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them, that's us, may be one, not the same, but one. Oneness is when we're united around a person called Jesus. One. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Notice that. He says, I want them to be one like us. And we know that the whole God the Father is not God the Son. And God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But they are one God, united together in perfect unison. And he says, that's how I want my church to be. May they also be in us that the world may believe. Catch this, that the world may believe you have sent me. Wow, that's a powerful, powerful thought that the world will believe. Because you know what the world never sees? Unity. <laughs> the world never sees real unity. And I was listening to some stuff about it just in business and organizations. It's hard to come by. Even when everyone's getting paid, it's hard to come by, let alone when we're volunteers and giving up my time because unity really is all about Jesus revolving around him. And for that to happen, we've got to give up our personal preferences at times. Our preferences stand secondary to the primary thing we're united on, which is the mission of Jesus. You can have all sorts of different preferences and that's great and I'll love you. If, if, you, if, you, if you're passionate about Jesus and, and, and the gospel and making disciples of all nations, man, I can have great unity with you. Well, we can have great unity because it doesn't matter. A lot of that other stuff just doesn't matter. We should have that special unity. One way that we can discover and focus on this is in this next slide is, I love this thought of a triangle. We have God at the top and we have people or you could put whatever you want there. But notice in a triangle, the closer each person moves towards God, they naturally move towards one another. So the closer, the way to get good, how do we get, how do we nurture? How do we be intentional with unity in the church? Well, my, my, I just want to preach Jesus. Because I know when Jesus is lifted up and I know when Jesus is the center of your life, I, we don't need to preach on conflict resolution. We don't need to preach, that, all that stuff's important. But when you are sold out for Jesus, when you are living a life that's focused on pursuing Him, naturally, things in your life, there will be unity in the body of Christ. Because the closer you get to God, if you're married, the closer you focus on God, when God's first, your spouse will be the recipient of a great husband, a great wife, a godly husband, a godly wife that's getting closer to God. And guess what? Life only gets more blessed when that happens. How is it in your heart this morning? Is that your focus? It says, behold, how, let's get into now good... No, not that that was the intro, don't worry. Let's get into these last three verses. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren or brothers to dwell together in unity. Notice the words good and pleasant. It's a powerful thing that he said it that way because, you know, some things that are good are not pleasant. It is good to go to the gym and exercise. <laughs> it is good to eat Brussels sprouts. It is good to eat healthy. There are many things that we know are good. It is good to have a, a, a strict budget and not go over the budget. It's good. It's not always pleasant, is it, really? 
And then there are things that are pleasant that are not always good. Some things we could talk about, you know, that, that extra chocolate cake might be pleasant, but it might not be good. <laughs> and But what David, when he saw the people, he says, you know, this is both good, which speaks of it's of God, this is ought to be, but then he says it's also pleasant. There is pleasure in it. There, this is pleasant, which is more about the, the people. There is joy, there's enjoyment. Unity is good and pleasant when they dwell together in unity. But who knows, a key word here is the word dwell because... Uh, if, it was, if it said visit, it would be easy to be in unity. But it doesn't say visit, it says when they dwell, which means to live together. Unity is tested not in visiting, but in dwelling. It's when you go deeper. It's when you say, you know what, I'm going to put my roots down, spiritual roots down in this church. I'm going to call it home. I'm going to serve on a team. I'm going to, and suddenly your dwelling, unity, will be tested. It's what happens. And it says here that, um, I love this thought, it's easy to have unity from a distance. Because you'd be like, oh, I've got unity with lots of uh, preachers over in the USA and their theology, and I agree with it, or whoever, whatever I listen to, because they're at a distance. Often families, people closest to us, are the hardest to love. <laughs> um, it's getting quiet in here. Uh, <laughs> see, the word for fellowship, which I, don't, I, did, I do have on the screen, uh, how do you pronounce that one? Thank you, koinonia. And the meaning is to, for sharing in common. And a powerful example where this word is used, uh, where this word is lived out in the New Testament is all the one another's of the Bible. Uh, scripture commands us to be devoted to one another in Romans, honor one another in Romans, uh, have harmony with one another in Romans, accept one another, we went on that one a few weeks ago in Romans, serve one another in Galatians, be compassionate to one another in Ephesians, admonish one another in Colossians, encourage one another, spur one another on in Hebrews, offer hospitality in 1 Peter one another and love one another all through the book. This is what true biblical fellowship looks like and you cannot do a one another on your own. <laughs> that was a weird statement, you can't get your head around that but it takes community and uh, I'm not going to go into this but there are things a business coach fellow that I listened to a little bit he was saying that he doesn't really know where unity comes from but he certainly knows how it goes <laughs> and he said in the businesses that he coaches he says the, the, I'll give you the four top enemies of unity uh, poor communication gossip uh, unresolved disagreements and a lack of a shared purpose and I think that last one's where the church, we have a great advantage for unity because we have a shared purpose that is eternal, that is bigger and greater than anything that we're doing on the earth that's so temporary. Our shared purpose of the mission brings us together and brings us united and it helps us. We have such an advantage to, to see unity like the world has never, ever seen. And what it does is when the real, that fellowship, it really is a spirit thing because there's a chemistry there. There's a chemistry in unity that brings us together in a way that you normally wouldn't love that person, but you've got a love for that person. That really comes from God. I remember I was part of a ministry team years ago, this team, and, and what I loved about it was, was that whenever we, we would be involved in worship ministry and things like that, and I couldn't sing, it wasn't me, but I was part of it. And I just remember at the end of our times of practice and that, 
man, we, we would be together way longer than we were practicing and things like that. We'd be there to midnight talking and crying and sharing each other's burdens. It was just this chemistry. And it wasn't from man, it was, it was from God. There was, we were about a mission together. And it brings people together. You know, I think it was the old Wildcats basketball, one of the uh, could have been Cal Bruton, show him age there. Cal Bruton, he said, what, what, what makes a great team player? And he says, a great team player is one who makes the other player look good. They make them look good. What makes a great Christian living in the one another's, it's when you want to lift others up. It's when you want to cheer others on, when you want to see them fulfilled, when you want to see them living their God-given destiny. It's not about me, it's about them. And that's the spirit of Christ coming in unity. But it is tested and we see all through the Bible uh, when they live together. I mean, think about it. Even it actually says when brothers and think about the first brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel. They really struggled with the unity thing. They did not get that down pat. They One murdered the other. <coughs> so it's, obvious, it's all through the Bible. Jacob and Esau. I could name my brother's name right now. I was thinking I'll go all the way through <laughs> But it is hard, and, and that is the thing that God is. It, God wants to make it different about the church. See, family is united around two things. See, two things is around blood and around a name. And you think about that saying, you know that saying, blood is thicker than water. I tried to research that. There's, there's interesting things about where that come from. And one, one, one thought, which I don't know if I agree with, but one thought is that, Way back, it comes from the saying that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. I don't know if that's true or not. I think that's a great thought, though. That the blood of the covenant, that what brings us together is blood, is Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what womb, what, where, what your background, what your skin color, what, what you've come from, what you believe, what your persuasion in this, persuasion in that. It doesn't matter. The thing that unites us is blood. We are of one blood, the blood of Christ. The same blood that died for me died for you. You are as worthy as I am. And that brings us together in unity, the covenant with God, the covenant with one another. And our names often in a family often share a name, not always, but often share a name. And we share the name that is above every name in this place. You are a part of the greatest name, the name Jesus, and we're about his mission. So it says here that the first verse is a statement about unity. And then the next two verses are simply pictures of what unity looks like two pictures so i'm just going to give you two pictures and then we'll pray because i can smell the food <laughs> so it says this this is what unity it's great this is a statement when we dwell together in unity but then it says it is like precious oil upon the head running down the beard the beard of aaron unity is i love the first word there it's precious He's saying it's like precious oil. This isn't just ordinary. When, when people are together, it's precious when you're in unity. And it's like this oil, anointing oil, is symbolic of God's protection, which is a notable blessing. David compares the goodness of brotherly unity with the protective gift that you are not alone. When you're in unity, you know that you've got other people on your team. Think about sheep. There's always that one sheep that wanders, you know. But God, when they're in unity, when they're in the flock, they're protected, they're together, and really they're the most stupid, vulnerable animals you could get going around. But get them together, and they're protected. It's a blessing. They've got that unity. Um, Dave, he also images unity as oil running down Aaron's head, uh, onto the beard, onto the collar, going down. And, 
In the Old Testament, uh, the Lord directed Moses to make sacred oil, to anoint and consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve as the Lord's priest. So this was not only a solemn thing, a joyful one, it was good and it was pleasant. But you know, as a Christian, you have the anointing, the oil symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit. We have His power to live in unity. We have His grace. We have His, His uh, supernatural work flowing down our lives. I love how it starts at the head, Aaron's head, and goes down because unity generally starts at the top. It starts with mum and dad in the household, hey? I, I, just on that thought, I just remembered... Um, so looking forward to eating, sharing food together with you. And I read a statistic about uh, families that, that have regular, uh, about three to five times a week or somewhere, regular family dinners around a table together and stop and turn everything off, so to speak, and do that. You know, fam- kids that grow up in that environment, the study showed, kids that grow up with that regularly were, the study showed, less likely to wander into uh, criminal activity, less likely to have addictive problems with uh, alcohol and drugs, the list goes on. I'll just, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? So that the same principle would work in the church. That, uh, so make sure you, you eat some food or you could become a criminal when you leave today. <laughs> but the same principle that there's something about that, that unity that comes together because when you come to the table, we come together, everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. Everyone's a part of the table. It's a powerful thought as we eat together today. Just think about that. Um, that thought, the anointing coming down starts at the top and it's precious. It's precious. As the team want to come back up now and we're going to go out with a shout of joy in a second as that, that rain comes down, which is really good for my last point. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forever more. Just a couple of thoughts on this. He's again, notice the scriptures, a statement, verse one, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity it is like that precious oil it is like and he says again the dew mount hermon is at the northeast boundary of ancient israel its height and location made it a major source of water for the region so the jews would depend upon the early and latter rains and dew to water the otherwise very dry land it would enable here's the key word growth So dew symbolizes here what unity does. It symbolizes fruitfulness and growth. And notice the dew did not come from man. It come from God. It's not something man produces. It's a God product. It's what God does in our hearts as we surrender to Him, as we we position ourselves and submit ourselves to Him and say, Lord, I want to walk in unity. I want to walk in harmony. I know I play a part like in an orchestra, but I'm not letting my part get tuned into another part. I'm tuning into Jesus. And as every part tunes into Jesus, there's a harmony, a beautiful sound. It's the sound of love and not a clanging cymbal. It's the sound of peace and not uh, discord. It's a sound of joy that can be truly expressed. I mean, this sermon would be good. Even if you don't follow Jesus, this sermon is good for your health. You'll be a lot more healthier if you live in unity with people. Be a lot more healthier when there's no root of bitterness coming up. It'll just affect everything in your life. But how much more with the Spirit of God in our life? How much more when we are in unity, God can produce something. It's interesting that I read how two draft horses, you know, them old horses, what do they call them? Yeah, they're not like the old Clydesdales. That two of them pulling together is an interesting fact. See, on their own, they can pull 8,000 pounds. 
you would think, sorry, that, yeah, sorry, let me read that again. But it's not actually two. Two draft horses that can pull, each pull 8,000 pounds alone on their own. Yeah, so one, eight, 8,000. When they're together, they pull 24,000 pounds. Three times as much because two are better than one, but a quarter three. When God comes into the mix of unity, something supernatural happens. Catch this. I read also when those horses, they're just horses that are brought together. They don't know each other. You get two of those same horses, get them as little ponies. They grow up together. They do life together. They know each other. They've spent time in the yards. They've trained together. Did you know that those two pulling together pull 32,000 pounds? The synergy and the unity, something happens because they're doing life together. Something happens. Um, they, they can get four times as much strength. Why? Because when you do life with someone and you really got their back, you lift, man. You go to a new level for that person. You have got them no matter what. And something on the inside of you, if they're getting attacked, I'm getting attacked. If one part of the body hurts, I hurt. If one part of the body is sick, I, I feel that. It's the power of God that gets on the inside of unity and unified people. So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to pray for us as a church that God would do this work in us as we go. This is a on the journey message. Coming out of Pentecost where they're in unity, the devil gets scared when he sees unity. Coming out of Pentecost when the Spirit wants to move, he, he wants to attack that. He doesn't, he wants discord and disruption and I believe God just wants us to sit in our hearts. Maybe you want to close your eyes and just spend a moment with God. Well, Lord, I want to ask you this question. What's your song, bro? <laughs> What's your song? Can you sing with me the song of unity? Can you make a commitment to sing this song as we journey forward? In Genesis 11, we know that when they were building the Tower of Babel, building that tower for something ungodly, for an idol. And God saw what they were doing as one people, he said, coming together with one language. He said, nothing they set themselves to do will be impossible for them. Father, I just pray right now for us as a church that as we set our hearts on you, that Holy Spirit, you would bring a unifying spirit. And whatever that looks like for us, Lord, would you give us the boldness and the courage to respond if it's a phone call, if it's forgiving, if it's loving, if it's changing, Holy Spirit, change us, transform us. Lord, that we would be a one accord, that we would be speaking the one language of love and unity, that nothing would be impossible for us. As a church going forward, Lord, I thank you that we're not relying on unity around any person, but completely around you, Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close? Would you stand and remain in the attitude of worship?